Network. Frederick Dard famously said, A smart man is nothing but a failed idiot. Frederick Dard had never been to Washington or spent time on Facebook or Twitter, where we have more failed idiots than even Mark Twain could make sport of. And I wouldn't call any of them smart. Confused yet? Good. Here's someone to make sense of the madness. His name is Dan Newman. I hadn't figured it out yet. I hope Mr. Dart had a better handle on circumstances in his life regarding government back then than we do today because, folks, this is absolutely crazy. Our government has gone nuts. And we're going to wade into a bunch of different things this morning. we got a big show today. Steve Baker joins us at the bottom of the first hour. He's our... I guess our expert on the January 6th insurrection stuff that happened at the Capitol, photojournalist, published all around the world. You've heard him here three or four times on the show. New details coming out of Washington, D.C. regarding the January 6th insurrection. Steve will share those details with us, and we'll talk more about that nutty January 6th select committee. You know, those experts up there that are picking apart the minds of every person that was involved in it, every person that is a Republican. They haven't called anybody and let any Republican in the House of Representatives under oath cross-examine any of these witnesses. Republicans have zero access to any of the so-called evidence that's presented. And this is supposed to be a fair investigation? Come on now. We Americans aren't stupid. We're not dumb. We don't believe all of the horse hockey that comes out of Washington, D.C. in the first place. And we certainly don't believe anything that is presented to us as factual by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So there you go, folks. We're going to have a great show today. How you doing? It almost feels like Friday, and I'm ready for one of those days. Man, do we have a lot of information, a lot of details, and a lot of revelations to make together with this morning. And we're just going to jump right in and get started. And we're not going to talk about economic issues at first. We're going to talk about brand new revelations of Hunter Biden. But no, 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 no. It's about daddy. It's about Joe Biden. Listen to this. Joe Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter Biden's business associates while he was vice president in the Obama White House. Now, wait a minute. Joe told us he had never talked to Hunter about any of his business deals or been involved in any way. Now there's confirmation that at least 14 of Hunter, his business associates, met with daddy. Remember this? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Biden said that, answering that question back in 2019. But the president met with at least 14 of those associates. And they're from here, the U.S. Of course, that's no big deal. Mexico, Ukraine, China, and Kazakhstan over the course of his vice presidency. Two of Hunter's Mexican business buds, Miguel Aleman Velasco and Miguel Aleman Magnani, 
visited the West Wing of the White House on February 26th of 2014. That's according to the Obama White House visitor logs. Joe was later photographed with Hunter giving Velasco and Magnani a tour of the White House Brady press briefing room. I've never talked to anybody about my son's overseas business dealings. Do you have pictures from the lunch I had in Dad's office with Miguel Alamal Sr. and Jr. and Jeff Cooper? If so, let me know and I can send someone to pick them up. Thanks. How was Kiev? Hunter wrote that in an April 2014 email to David Linneman, Biden's official photographer during his eight years as vice president. Emails from more than a year later showed that Hunter arranged a video conference with his dad and Carlos Slim. You've heard that name before. This guy's a Mexican billionaire with whom Hunter was seeking to do business with at the time. That was on October 30th of 2015. Less than a month after that video conference, Carlos Slim, Velasco, and Magnani attended a meeting with Joe, Hunter, and Hunter's business partner and family friend Jeff Cooper at the vice presidential residence at Number One Observatory Circle in Washington. Now, there's video proof, photos that show that. And uh, by the way, date and timestamp photos. At the time of that meeting, Hunter and Cooper were in talks with Slim, Velasco, and Magnani about investing in a Mexican energy company. Citing documents from Hunter's infamous abandoned laptop, the Daily Mail said, the email showed, the men almost also met at Joe's at the White House. February of 2016, just before, excuse me, just after the meeting at Joe's private residence, the BP reportedly flew Hunter and Cooper on Air Force Two to Mexico City. Hunter wrote an email to Magnani informing him as much, saying he would be attending a meeting between Joe and then-Mexican President Enrique Pina Nieto. And, I mean, they went into detail. We're arriving late tonight on Air Force Two in Mexico City. We'll be there for Thursday. I'm attending a meeting with President, with Dad. Jeff Cooper is with me online, and we will, and will be with us all day. That's from Hunter. This evidence just goes on and on and on. It, folks, the Vice President of the United States, when he was VP and now as President, is up to his eyeballs in foreign international, deep, deep, deep financial corruption. There's no question about it. If this was anybody in the Trump family or anybody in the Bush 43 family, it would be front page news, top of every newscast around the world. And nobody in mainstream media will even touch it. This explains a lot of what's happening in our nation. I got to be honest with you. We are falling apart at the seams. Everything that has held together by unity of Americans for 260 years has been peeled away one strip at a time by these sycophants in D.C. that have just, they've just taken off, no holes barred, whatever it takes, grab the power, centralize the power for 
the U.S. Congress and this White House to take total control of every part of the American society. That is actually happening. And I got to tell you, with this administration, with this president, and top down, from the White House to the Department of Justice, the FBI, all the way down to the bottom, they have zero respect for the rule of law. They don't care about laws. They no longer matter. We're going to govern with a hard hand, and we're looking at countries like Venezuela on how to amass total control at the government, and we're going to do it, and Americans aren't going to be able to say anything about it. You think I'm stretching on that? Give me some evidence that proves otherwise. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. Some more evidence comes out overnight. Strongly points to big guy President Joe Biden having been fully aware of and directly involved in Hunter's shady business exploits overseas. And we've got the text message. We've even got more uh, messaging back and forth. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. The New York Post is publishing those. Fox News is publishing those. Newsmax. But none of the legacy media are touching it. Nobody's touching it. Meanwhile, this morning, news comes out. Gross domestic product shrank by 0.9% in the month of April through June, second quarter of the year. Economists had expected the economy to grow by 0.3%. The economy contracted by 1.6% in the second quarter. Many Americans consider two straight quarters of recession to be the marker of a recession. However, all the Biden money grubbers Experts, they have decided to change the definition of a recession so that they can somehow tell us all this is not a recession. Now you tell me, you've lived your life, you have your family, you have your job, you have your responsibilities, you're an everyday American just like me. Through your lifetime, if you're older than 50, you've been through a bad recession. Have you ever been through one like this? Have you ever been through one that was this bad that they didn't call a recession? No. The worn-out explanation for what is a recession has always been, if you have an economy contraction for two consecutive quarters, period. We have that. And by the way, just so you know, I'll whisper this, but this is the worst recession I've ever lived through. And we have a lot coming. There's more to come. That's how Uncle Joe would tell you if he didn't want anybody else to listen in. They're hanging on to the fact that things are pretty good out there. You know, look what's happened to the price of gasoline. It's down 50 cents a gallon over the last month. Wow, a lot of that has to come with the fact that Joe's been selling off our strategic oil reserves, and he's done that right before a hurricane and 
summer-fall storm season, which is when we, every year almost, have to tap those reserves. When he and Barack left office, they left the reserves almost totally depleted. Donald Trump filled them up when the price of oil was down around $35 a barrel. It's at $100 a barrel now. So what's Joe going to do? He really doesn't care. He's taking care of his compadres in foreign countries at U.S. taxpayer expenses. So they are locked in on this is not a recession. This is not what a recession is. You look across the spectrum of our economy, and there are really good spots. We're hiring people left and right. Unemployment is way down low. Let me tell you what's making unemployment way down low. We have three million fewer people employed today than we did right at the beginning of the pandemic. Three million unemployed. And folks, the only measure of who's unemployed is done by people filing filing for I keep wanting to say workers' comp, but it's not workers' comp. Unemployment. Filing for unemployment benefits. That's the only measure we have. Of those 3 million people, there's obviously a bunch of them that haven't filed for unemployment, but they're still unemployed. They're still having to buy groceries and pay the outlandish prices for everything that you and I are paying. That is is almost concrete verification. We're in a recession. Now, you know what? Let's don't let's stop getting caught up in labeling this thing. How the heck are we going to get out of it? Who is there on the landscape of the nation that has the expertise and has any authority to get us out of it? Well, there is a guy that has the authority, but he has no expertise about economics. And that's President Biden. He's not going to do a thing different. He's not going to do a thing different. This is going to continue to slide into oblivion at your expense and my expense. And he's got a panacea out there that's going to fix everything. Everything. It's a new spending bill. I'm sure you heard about this. Joe Manchin. Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, kind of center of the road Democrat in the Senate. Of course, West Virginia is a almost totally red state. I think he may be the only Democrat in the state of Virginia, West Virginia. But anyway, he announced late yesterday he's going to support a reconciliation package in the Senate that targets prescription drug prices in the energy sector. I wish that was all that was in that bill. But it's 700 pages long already. Yesterday, it hadn't, the first part of it hadn't even been penned. So overnight, they're up to 700 plus pages. The legislation's even got a, a title the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. It's not yet been written. But Manchin said in a statement the package will fight inflation. And how's it going to do it? It's going to promote and all of the above energy policy and lower prescription drug prices. Now think about that. Have you seen one thing in the Biden administration that would even fit into that short definition of what's going to be in this 
reconciliation bill that Manchin just gave us. The package will fight inflation by promoting an all-of-the-above energy policy and lower prescription drug prices. All of the above. What the heck does that mean? What's included in that energy package? Let me tell you what won't be included. There will be no opening up of oil pipelines. There will be no taking the restrictions off of what can be done with those oil leases, and they're not going to take their hands off issuing drilling permits for those lands that these people, these uh, oil and gas companies have leased. They're not going to do that. Joe's not going to open the spigot back on domestic oil production, period. Most of this money is going to go to the green energy deal, climate change. And as the details come out, oh my gosh, people are going to scream to high heaven. You can't break recessions back with more massive government spending. This is right at $2 trillion. In fact, when they get it rolled out with all the little little add-ons that they do, every bill they do, it'll be over $2 trillion. We don't have one dime of the $2 trillion they're going to spend. And then on top of that, yesterday, another bill, spending bill, multi-billion dollar bill passed the Senate. It's called the CHIPS Plus Act. Now, they've been working on this thing for more than two years. Congress started negotiating a package to overall the federal government's research and development initiatives two years ago. Schumer and Indiana Senator Todd Young introduced an amendment replacing a Supreme Court security funding package. It passed the Senate 64 to 33. 17 Republicans joined 47 Democrats to vote for it. A Monday thunderstorm delayed CHIPS Plus passage by one day. Several senators weren't able to travel back to D.C. to vote. This bill includes $52 billion for semiconductor manufacturing through 2025, tax credits for semiconductor manufacturing in the U.S., and $200 billion for federal science, technology, engineering, and mathematics research. The $200 billion includes funding for... Here we go. The National Science Foundation, as well as cash for schools to increase STEM education offerings. So we're looking at $2 trillion over here in this uh, Build Back Better, whatever you want to call that act that Manchin has laid down and is going to support. And then you have the CHIPS Plus Act which is of all of the legislation this administration has put out, this is the one that will really do something good for the nation. We have lost the semiconductor business to Korea, to Japan, but principally to China. Have you tried to even order a new car in the last year and a half or two years? You can place an order. And you can order all the things you want. Every car I ever get, it's full of electronic stuff. I love the gizmos. But do you know that if you order a car with all those gizmos and it comes in, guess what? The gizmos, many of them aren't on that car. Because we don't have the semiconductors for our assembly plants. 
We have to rely on China. And China's doing what China does best, sitting on what they have, making making their enemies, like the United States of America, making, making enemies hurt. That's the one really good thing in this Chips Plus Act. I, I'll be transparent. I'm part of the ownership of a company that will really do well with this Chips Plus Act. It's headquartered in Dallas-Fort Worth. And it's going to do a lot for a lot of people. It's going to do a lot to make it easier for you when you start looking at buying scientific gizmos and vehicles. Everything that you plug in today, folks, has got a semiconductor chip somewhere in it. And when you don't have those semiconductor chips, you can't make them work. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this madness just continues to grow and grow and grow. And you know what? I like Joe Manchin. I have really hoped for and expected him over the last few years. He gets so excoriated by members of his own party when he doesn't just lay down and agree with every piece of legislation they come up with. I figured he would flip and become a Republican. I think his people in the state of West Virginia would love it because most of them, almost in total, are Republicans, but he hasn't done it. He's holding out. And a lot of people wonder what's going on with it. Let me just say this. We talk about these two bills, these massive spending bills, like we need some more massive spending bills, and we get worried and concerned. Well, listen, the big bill, the Reconciliation Act, it came out yesterday. It's not, it's not going to necessarily automatically happen. Mark Penn is the former chief strategist for Bill Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign, he said this, I think it's not a sure thing yet. I don't think it will affect the midterms one way or the other. Midterms being driven by inflation, not congressional action. It's highly doubtful that this bill will get any Republican support. It's got to in the Senate. And if it's in reconciliation package, they don't need to do the filibuster and break it with 60 votes. Reconciliation package can pass in the Senate by Senate rules with just a simple majority. 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. If all the Democrats vote for it, all the uh, Republicans vote against it, the tie is thrown to the president of the Senate that happens to be Vice President Kamala Harris, so it would pass that way. But there's another hurdle that they have to overcome. When they use this budget reconciliation process to try to pass a bill, it might not still make it. Why? Every bill, before it's put up on the floor to debate, has to go by the parliamentarian. And the parliamentarian may rule, and in this case, there's a pretty good chance the parliamentarian is going to rule that certain parts of this bill must be removed because it is being done under the reconciliation process and there are strict rules rules about what can be in that bill and what can't be. So before it can even go to the floor to be debated, the parliamentarian is going to have to release it. There's a little bit of hope there. Not a lot, (laughs) but a little bit of hope. I wanted to get those two stories out 
It's really important. I know that some of you, when you uh, start the show, you can only listen to the first part of it. I wanted you to get those. Steve Baker, we're going to go to our first break. Steve Baker coming out of the break live will update us on the latest coming out of D.C. regarding the Capitol insurrection, January 6, 2020, and also the select committee that is doing nothing but spending your money, wasting your time. Steve Baker has those updates right after this at TNN Live. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. On the telephone, I'm not, I'm not feeding it down the line. Steve Baker's on the line right. with us. It's green-eyed lady. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we've got somebody like that or some people like that in our government today. Welcome, Steve. We always love having you here. You're part of our family. And um, how's the last week or two been for you? It's been, uh, it's been interesting. It's been busy. It's been, um, well... I, you know, my, my normal routine is that I, and I, it may be yours, get up early. I immediately make the first cup of coffee and then I start just pouring over the news. And, and then to be honest with you, my day develops from there. I have, I have no idea how my brain is going to respond to what I read in the morning. So, you know, I think you just went through the whole mansion um, <laughs> uh, thing and, 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 and those are the kinds of things that happen every morning that set me off in a direction. And, um, uh, you know, I, this, this guy is not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but he happens to be one of my political writer histories, and that's the late P.J. O'Rourke. And he, he said, when buying and selling are controlled by legislation, 
the first things to be bought and sold are legislators. <laughs> there is no question. That's a big part of it. Um, yesterday, yeah. yesterday when the story broke, I immediately reached out and, and I looked. I've got access to get in and find the uh, pending legislation uh, in both houses, the Senate and the House. And I looked and there was nothing in there. It hadn't even been started. Now we know it's 722 pages. And I'm sure, and I know you are, Steve, you're certain that all 722 pages are full of really good things, dollar for dollar, only for the American people, right? Yes, of course. (laughs) After they take their cut off the top. (laughs) We we, we always said in the music industry, when I was managing artists, uh, I would be explaining to artists and I would tell them on their contract, I would say, you know, the first, what the first page of your contract giveth, the next 40 pages taketh away. Yeah. And, and, and these pieces of legislation are exactly the same thing. Whatever they are labeled as, you can guarantee that that's not what the content is. Yeah. But you can also guarantee that there's a whole lot of uh, quid pro quo before it gets to any of the meat that's included in the bill. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's now, what's it called now? The, uh, uh, inflation reduction act or something like that. Is yeah. That what it is? Yeah. And it's exactly yeah. opposite. I mean, exactly. And that's what, but that's what they did. Well, sure. And so they make it sound benign. Hey, it's going to fight inflation. We need to get rid of this inflation. So you guys pass that <laughs> and then watch, mm-hmm. watch the inflation meter begin to tick, tick faster and faster. Uh, I don't, I don't know where you were in 19 between 76 and 80, um, I was I was in the car business, general manager of the lar- a large Ford Lincoln Mercury Toyota dealership, and uh, floor plan interest was one over prime. Prime lending mm-hmm. rate went to twenty one percent. Right, twenty one oh, yeah. plus one. We were I was signing checks before we even opened the doors, uh, even put one car on the floor or tried to sell it. I was paying. Floor plan interest at one over prime, 22% on $6 million of car metal sitting on the lot. Wow. This is headed that way, Steve. It feels like it, especially if they get by with doing what they're doing right now yet again. But that's what, but, but, but Dan, that's what they've always done. I mean, if you go all the way back to the foundation of the federal reserve itself, the actual politicians that were, um, championing, the um, the foundation of the Federal Reserve were actually in public though campaigning against it. Yeah, so they were. They always say the exact opposite of what they're trying to accomplish. Well, they want to be winners, no matter how the yeah. final legislation goes. If it goes yeah. the wrong way, they want to be involved in that group. And of course, if it goes their way, that's even better. Yeah. Well, let's get back to business as usual. You're our expert <laughs> on matters happening January sixth, twenty twenty and all of the fallout from then till now. Um, your story about Benny Thompson and the lies that he has told, along with some other lies that have come out of that select, select committee of Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. It was a great story. We got a great response. Thank you for that. What are the oh, latest thanks. details? You told me there's been some stuff coming out that uh, everybody needs to know about. Well, this this particular story um, was it was another one of those days that I didn't know how my day was going to unfold. It, I, I was not able to watch the final House committee um, uh, hearing on Thursday night at eight o'clock. I was actually doing another show at the time, and so what ended up happening, I finally 
allocated the time on Saturday morning, same thing, got my cup of coffee, sat down on the front porch and put my earbuds in and fired up the hearing, the replay of the hearing. And I, and, and Dan, I wasn't, uh, 30 seconds into the opening remarks by Benny Thompson and my day was established. Uh, I, I couldn't even finish the hearing because I immediately started taking notes and jotting down and finding the transcript to the entire hearing because he opened with such a bald faced pack of lies. I couldn't let it go. Well, some of those were in the story that you wrote. You published shortly after that and we republished it in truthnewsnet.org. Um, let me just look around those particular things. Every day that this stuff goes on, there are a lot of revelations that come out of it. Nothing really new about the horrors that happened of perpetrated by those evil Republican skinheads, MAGA people, whatever you want to call them, white supremacists. Yeah. They label them, but you know, don't you dare say anything that goes against their nomenclature for anybody. They're going to start putting people in jail if you accidentally misgender somebody when you stick your hand out to shake their hand the first time you meet them. And if you call them Mr. or Mrs. and they're transgender, you're going to go to transgender jail. I mean, we're getting close to that. Um, Or or at least transgender re-education camp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds a little Soviet Unionist. Yeah. What um, What do you think's really happening? What's behind the scenes? Are they so desperate that they're just throwing, pulling out all the stops, trying to find something to paint Donald Trump with to try to get him not to be able to run for office? Yeah. Well, the, the stated purpose of the hearings are exactly that. And it, it doesn't matter which side of the political aisle that you find yourself or which, wherever your particular biases are, or your presuppositions or predispositions politically, it is a stated fact that this committee is going to do everything they can to prevent Donald Trump from running for president again. And, and it's not, it's not a hidden, uh, agenda at all. So when we start there and then you see the formation of the committee, as we, I think we talked about the last time I was on the show yes. is, is that it was a, it was a hand selected committee where the opposition party was not even allowed to seat their own members for the first time in American history. That's what everybody really, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. In the 240-year history of this country, the opposition party has always been allowed to seat their own members. And then you have debate, and then you have witnesses brought forward by both sides, and then you're able to be questioned by the other side, or by both sides. And, and we see, we've seen that last week as well in the, um, the, the gun control uh, re- legislation that they're debating in the House of Representatives. You, you have a... Um, a Democrat chairing the committee because they they have the majority and then their guy does his five minute presentation. And then the guy from the other side does his five minute presentation. And by the time they get into it, they're going after each other pretty, pretty well. And, and, but that's, that's how you find truth is by both sides being able to lay all their cards on the table. And this is not happening in that particular uh, committee. Just to let everybody know, the Republicans, they do have two seats on this committee, but they're by two rhinos that are actually being uh, Democrats in this. They weren't chosen by House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Um, opposition, which is the Republicans, they get to see none of the evidence that's presented. They don't get to enter any evidence to be considered. 
they don't get to cross-examine. No cross-examination at all is done of any of the witnesses. And so they pontificate. And in most cases, the only public scrutiny that happens to actual committee hearings is if, and they do very seldom, but if they let uh, cameras get in there and when they're interviewing people, calling people before to uh, testify with them, the cameras are never on. So we really don't know what's going on. This is what they did, Dan. All of these interviews that we're seeing played back on television were pre-recorded for the most part. Now they'll, they'll bring in two witnesses on each uh, hearing and then they'll, they'll, uh, ask questions. They'll allow a couple of, uh, the representatives on the committee to ask them questions as their, as their, uh, um, I don't know what you would call them. It's, it's because it, it, it is a show trial. It's uh, yes, it's not a trial. No, it's not a grand jury hearing, but in all, for all intents and purposes, it is a show trial because that's exactly what it is. So they'll bring a couple of witnesses out. And all of those questions are scripted. The answers are known in advance. There's nothing left to chance. And when I say it's scripted, you know, this, this entire eight hearings that we've seen so far are actually produced by the former president of ABC News for a primetime audience. So, so people that would normally be watching, you know, CSI or some sort of, you know, other TV drama or sitcom at eight o'clock at night, they're being presented a slick packaged production by a guy who that's is what he has done his entire career is roll out a, an agenda, a propaganda, a show. And that's exactly what we're getting from this. And they can't do that if they don't know what the next scene is. You know, you, you get my point. Yes. They must know what the next scene. Just that, just as a scripted Law and Order show or CSI show, we, the only reason the show works is because the the writers have written those scripts weeks and months in advance. And the reason we know, the principal reason we know, there's a big aha coming, is because Adam Schiff serves on the committee. And he always has the ability to make up something that seems so grandiose and it's unbelievable. It's like this is the end of the world as we know it. And every time he does it, it's never been true. I don't, I don't know what's out there. I think if there are any factual things that would implicate Donald Trump or anyone in his administration with any criminal activity, that they can pin something specific there. Mary Garland, attorney general, signaled over the weekend, he opened the door and said, we are looking at anybody and everybody that may keep be complicit in that, and we will hold them accountable. He was asked by uh, whoever was interviewing him, I forget if it was on Meet the Press, one of the Sunday shows, and kind of doubled down to try to get a complete answer and three times Garland answered with those same words so mm-hmm. they I'm pretty sure they have something up their sleeves whether it's real well, or not you know who knows yeah well I, I along those lines I will tell you that yesterday I spent uh, two hours on the phone with a, uh, a writer from the Epoch Times and you're familiar with that publication yes and and so this particular gentleman talking about this surprise coming. He, I've, I haven't had a a conversation with somebody who I respect so much, who was an intelligence as he, as intelligent as he is, who was so pessimistic about that thing that is coming. Mm 
and he believes it's big and he believes that it's it's designed specifically to interrupt uh, the election this November because their internal numbers, and these are the kind of numbers that the Democrats in power know, is that it's not going to be a tidal wave election in November, that there's going to be a tsunami. And this is going to be much bigger than any of us have been led to believe so far in terms of the possible changeover. Uh, literally giving the House of Representatives uh, a veto-proof majority, and then if it continues into 2024, the pres presidential election year cycle, then it would even turn over the Senate to a, a veto-proof majority as well. Yeah. And the, the Democrats see these numbers coming, and they are not going to give up that power that they now have over all you know, the branches of government. So this, this is, this is a lot of pessimism inside of, inside the, um, the, the, that group of people who are kind of in to know what the numbers really look like. Uh, and, and of course we know how the, the Democrats behave when their back is up against the wall. And so I think you're right. There could be a very big surprise coming. I would think though, uh, this is just, us guys talking, and I know you're not a big Trump supporter. Um, I was. Um, I uh, I loved what he did on the most part across the board. I despised his messaging, and uh, I just had to you know look at that and take a deep swallow, and then support him on the substantive things. A lot of people that you and I both know yeah. are in that particular same box of consideration. Yeah, and I did, and I did, and I did the same thing once he was president. Yeah. 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 Well, I voted for him. So there you go. I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but where I was going with this was, I just think if there's anything criminal that rises to a prosecution event, and of course what, it, what today, uh, is necessary to rise to that. I mean, look at all the people they arrested from the January 6th insurrection that it turns out they didn't do anything wrong. So they got arrested for it. You would think they had cause when they arrested them, but obviously they didn't. But that being said, we're talking about a different situation. You're talking about the last mm -hmm. president of the United States, and it would take criminal conviction to prevent him from being to ever run for any office again. That right. has to be their end objective. It's got to be. It, it is their end objective. And of course, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland has indicated that he is open to that idea. Although again, that's never before been done in US history. No former president has ever been prosecuted for as much as a speeding ticket. Where I was headed, he, where I was headed, Steve, was you and I both know they know every stinking thing good or bad Donald Trump did in those four years and also the year before he uh, he entered the White House. They had eyes on him. They had insiders. There is no mm -hmm. telling how much surveillance of him that they had. If there is anything, I think we'd already know about it. They couldn't keep it quite. There are too many people in uh, the Department of Justice that despise him. They would have. I think you're him. right. Yeah, but they can always man, they can always manufacture something too. Well, they they can, and you you make a great point in that if they had 
the smoking gun, they would have already used it. And it doesn't appear that they have because they've now spent eight of these hearings crafting and scripting. And, uh, and this was their big, this was the big final flurry that they rolled out. That's not to say that there's not going to be more as they learn quote unquote, additional information and additional facts. But this was their big show last Thursday. And there was, there was no, um, there was no Kraken unleashed. <laughs> so what do you think is the next step? They, told us that there will be more of these uh, right before the election. Benny Thompson said that the other day. So what do you think they're doing? Going back just in desperation, trying to find something last minute to throw out there before the midterms? I, I think, and this is what worries me the most, is that in September, late September, is when the scheduled trials begin for the first group of Oath Keepers. So they've split the Oath Keepers into two different uh, trials, one in uh, the end of September and one in early November. And I think that all of their focus now is, is to get those convictions on the books in September. It's going to be big, obviously, because it's a federal case. There will not be cameras allowed in the courtroom, but there obviously will be wall-to-wall coverage on everything that that is said inside those uh inside those courtrooms but the but i really fear for these guys a, a couple of them in particular that i'm working closely with that i've interviewed in the prison in the dc detention center itself that are dan th- these guys could not possibly be more innocent of anything and and are facing seditious conspiracy charges purely political they were not there for that purpose. One one of these guys in particular, Dan, he he wasn't even going to D.C. on January 6th. He was talked into it by one of his other, you know, pals in the Oath Keepers on the 4th, just two days before, and said, we need your particular expertise because you're going to be providing security on a second stage, which was a second planned event that day at 2 p.m. So after the march over to the Capitol then there was going to be a second stage with additional speakers and they wanted this guy to head up the security because that's his background in terms of military and law enforcement. And so he goes, he said, okay, yeah, well, I'll go, but you'll, you, as long as you guys cover my expenses, he couldn't even afford to go on his own, but there he was. He found himself in DC two days later. And then since March of last year, he's been sitting in, um, prison in DC and often in most of that time early on in solitary confinement. I fear that if we don't take the the, uh, the House at least back in the midterms, and many people think, as I do and you do, we really believe there is going to be a monumental turnover of control mm-hmm. of the House of Representatives if the votes are counted correctly. That's yeah. the big if. But even if that happens... I just think it's really going to be difficult to find out long-term exactly what went on in the run-up, the lead-up to the January 6th event and who was involved in the management piece of this whole thing from the top. Obviously, yeah. you you have Nancy Pelosi out there. You have uh, Chuck Schumer and you have Mitch McConnell. Those are people that were totally in control of everything that happened in the Capitol. Any House Speaker and Majority Leader, that's the role they play. And there are so many things that have been revealed. 
uh, the former Secretary of Defense. What was his? What, what's his name? Mark. Um, yeah, Chris Miller. No, 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 no. The one that was fired. Uh, it's Mark Esper. Oh well, I, I was I, I was thinking about because in the news the last couple of days, the acting Secretary of Defense during the the actual January sixth uh, event was uh, Christopher Miller. Maybe he was the one, but he came out and said pointedly, Donald Trump did not ask the National Guard to be there. And yes, we, Chris Miller. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have concrete evidence, including uh, Joint Chief Mark Milley, who said, factually, President Trump went through the process. He reached out to the National Guard, which is the protocol, and requested it. The National Guard then reached out to the people at the Capitol, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, and they turned it down. So this kind of stuff is floating around out there, and the inability to get concrete information, and then, of course, trying to figure out what the heck actually went on that day. I mean, here we are, a year and a half later, we still don't know the majority of who did what and who was responsible for what that day. We're probably never going to have those answers. Well, I will tell you, Dan, that there's a bunch of people working on those answers, and I I have to be really careful about what I'm about to say right now. And I'm not saying this to um, over-dramatize or to hype something up that's not real, but my day yesterday began on a three-hour phone call with somebody on the very, very, very inside of this whole event. And I can't go public with it for a lot of reasons. Uh, there, there are not only, uh, professional reasons, you know, you, if you, if you tell a story and you don't have the, the, the tools, the links, the, uh, all of the, as they say now, the receipts to back it up, you can't go, you can't go with the story. Or if you good do go with the story, then you're CNN. Well, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or, <laughs> or MSNBC or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or by them, you're accused of being a conspiratorialist or that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I will, I will tell you that after that three hour call was the reason I got on the phone call with this other writer from the Epoch times for another two hours. And the reason I got on the call, another call with another writer for an hour who happens to be a very close friend of mine to talk me off the ledge because of what I learned yesterday morning about this particular event. And, and dang it, Dan, I, I wish I could roll this out for you and your audience right now and tell you how dark, how evil, how un-American, how subversive to our very system that this is, and how absolutely corrupt the workings in the internal machinations of the Department of Justice are right now. It's, it, it literally may be on repair. We, you know, we could get a, um, a savior on a white horse riding into Washington, uh, in 2024 for the presidential election. And I don't know that in eight years he can unwind the corruption that is and how deep it is and how entrenched it is. And it set me on a, it set me on a dark course yesterday and how I was going to deal with this information. And, and the bottom line is, is I, I can't do anything with it. 
it's it's the burden of knowing something that you can't get off of you. Yeah. Usually when I usually when I learn something as a writer, what, what do you do? You go write. That's how you get it off of you. Yeah. I can't do it this time. I, I'm not uh, even allowed. I uh, spent uh, about three hours over this past weekend with a very close friend of mine. That is, um, he is a lifer in the Department of Justice and is very familiar with anything and everything. He is of the conservative ilk. And of course, I didn't get, I'm sure, to the depth that you did, but let me tell you something he said based upon what you just said about getting rid of this and how long it'll take if we can ever get it done. He said the only way to do it is to take the top three floors of the Hoover building and everybody in those (laughs) and destroy them, send them to Canada or Venezuela. He said, because their fingers are in everything and everything is politicized. And it's not about political party. It's about the pursuit of total power that whoever is behind in the dark and I'm not going to go down the conspiracy road. I know you and I, we both get all kinds of stuff sent to us and and mm-hmm. uh, told us over the phone that is just way out. Something, somebody, some group or whatever has a lot of power and a lot of money are pulling these strings. But nevertheless, it's bigger than just the FBI, bigger than the Department of Justice. And we Americans, we got to wake up and at least start looking and paying attention to what we're seeing. Because if we don't, this nation is really close to being destroyed. Don't call me stupid. Look what happened economically. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, we were rocking and rolling, coming out of the pandemic. Economy was roaring. I paid $1.69 for gas the day of the election <laughs> of uh, right. Joe Biden, $1.69. And, right. you know, I'm driving around town looking for someplace now to buy it for less than $4. That's just one little explanation of what we're going through. We started the show this morning, Steve, with the new revelation about Hunter Biden. And we have Mm -hmm. actual evidence that in the White House, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden met with 14 foreign economical dignitaries that were there negotiating financial deals. And then, of course, Joe Biden, I never talked to my son about any of his business associations exactly and nothing happened nothing will happen to him he's bulletproof well they're bulletproof because my one of my axioms uh, is that if the new york times washington post cnn msnbc don't say it then it never happened yeah and if they don't get behind the story it doesn't happen i think a, a big misconception especially for those of us who may be uh, getting all of our information from our own media bubble, uh, our own information, you know, zone is that our universe is a lot larger than we may even, or, or we think that it's larger than it is. But when you get into that mainstream bubble, it's so vast because it includes the major networks and all of their subdivisions. So when you're talking about, you know, the, the, uh, the corruption that's happened, even at Disney, right now. Well, remember Disney owns ABC. So they own all of these fingers and these, you know, these branches that, that influence the minds of the largest percentage of the American population. And that's all by design, of course. Sure. But, 
but that's but that ultimately is to to and I, I don't I don't know if I'm allowed to go here or not, but with the the actual word fascism, it actually comes from a root word that means to bind together. And that's what has happened in the American system today is that government now has become bound together with big tech. It has become bound together with the entertainment industry. It has become bound together with the education system. And once they have all of those avenues of getting into every individual's heart, soul, and mind, particularly our children, then that's what they're, that's what they're doing is they're able to influence us away from the founding of this country and the things that we believe in and the, 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 you know, the, the, the righteous establishment of, of this nation to begin with. And so I, I'm, I've been running through my mind here since I dropped that teaser bomb on you just a moment ago saying, I, I can't say I've been running through this, this three hour conversation I had. And, I, and I, the only thing I can really tell you is this is because I'm working on the team of one of the defendants that's being held in the DC detention center. I've been read into things that are, we're just not allowed legally to put out in the public sphere. And all I can tell you, Dan, is that what we're seeing in terms of the suppression of exculpatory evidence for some of these men that are being held without due process is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. This we have we have judges, we have assistant um, U.S. attorneys who are boldly, defiantly saying no, you can't use that evidence. And we're talking about evidence that could in fact free these men. Nope. You can't use it. Nope. Well, you can't talk about it. Wow. Nope. You can't bring it to trial. See that. And, and these, and these judges, they're lifetime appointees and they have autonomy. They can do this if they want, they can allow this to happen, but they're under such pressure from somebody up that chain. A couple of names we've mentioned earlier but they, they want, they will not allow justice to actually be served in these cases. Wow. Well, listen, we're going to get out of here, but I want you to help me explain this last thing. I get asked all the time, why and how do we know when and about what stories are the mainstream media lying to us? There's a phone number. <laughs> There's a phone number for those in the inner circle on the left that every approved journalist that wants it has it and once a day there's a circle conference call early early in the morning and they discuss what the left news articles of the day are going to be and here's the here's the the process they use somebody raises their hand on the call and says i'll start the story and that person pins the story for whatever network or newspaper he or she works at and I should be stoned for using that he or she thing. I've got to know their <laughs> I've got to know their identifiable biological uh, title they use, or I'm right. What am I? A xenophobe? A sexist? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that person puts it out, and it's brand new, early in the morning. So what happens yep. is everybody on that phone call gets that story just as it goes live, and so then they report on it, and the first one says. Sources say, and then they give the story. Yeah. 
And then the next news agency that picks it up, they report it and say, we've confirmed through multiple sources when there was never a source, there was never Mm -hmm. a story, it was manufactured. That is how 60 to 80% of mainstream media stories are created and printed or broadcast. That's the world we live in, Steve. It is. It is. Buddy, I... That's exactly what we were talking about earlier. This is a scripted event we're watching every single day. I so appreciate what you're doing. I know you're right on the edge, and uh, I got to be honest with you. I pray for you that you don't get caught. I know you're not doing anything wrong, but you're in that world where you don't have to be doing anything wrong. You can cross the wrong person, and here they come. Um. But I, I yeah. want I want you to keep I want you to keep doing what your heart tells you to do, and you have an open door here anytime to come back. I appreciate you coming today. Last time you came, we got away without talking about how people can get your information, your sources, your stories. Tell them where they go. Yeah, just uh, the best place to go uh, these days is to go to thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. And obviously, we're on Facebook. You can look up the Pragmatic Constitution on, on Facebook, on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, Twitter. All of our videos uh, are on Rumble. Uh, our podcasts are all on all the major podcast platforms. All you have to do is look up the Pragmatic Constitutionalist. But our, our, our source home, where everything originates from, is on our locals community. And so that's the Pragmatic Constitutionalist.locals.com. Folks, I love what they do and how he publishes it. You need to go there. It's a good way to start the day to catch up. And he is an opinion guy. He's very out front about it. Um, And so the difference is we were just talking about mainstream legacy media, whatever they want to call themselves, the way they create stories. Steve doesn't do that. He gives you facts. That's what we like here. Buddy, thanks for coming here. You have a great day and a great weekend. And anything you get that you want to share with our people, feel free. Give me a buzz. Thanks, Dan. Looking forward to talking to you again. In fact, I may be in Shreveport soon, so uh, I'll I'll hit you up. Well, I'm here anytime. I'm buying. Awesome. See you then. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. 
It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Steve Baker and I were talking offline during that break, and we both share some commonality of how we process this stuff. Almost every day at the end of the day, Marianne will look at me and say, Man, you're gloomy. What's going on? Same kind of thing for Steve Baker. We get so caught up in all this stuff and we dig so hard and we find out so much and it's just so disappointing in large part. Not always. I mean, I'm not a sky is falling kind of guy, nor is he for that matter. But still, it's concerning when we find out that those in power over us that we elect and we get them appointed and they're confirmed to work in these bureaucratic positions and also to service in the United States Congress and the White House, that they're just openly doing things flying in the face of the rule of law. They're not enforcing federal immigration laws. They're letting people for political purposes, not for righteousness. Come on now. You tell me somebody kills somebody and they go to jail and then they walk with no bail. It's happening every day around this nation. That should scare the bejesus out of every American. There is no way to reconcile that being okay. And so when you have a representative republic, a democratic representative republic, the people are in charge. The people or their representatives pass laws, make all the rules. And those that go to D.C. to represent us there, they're no better than us. We have to comply with those laws that are passed by the people that we pick to go pass them for us. But in large part, the bureaucratic end of our government is saying, nah, we don't have to, and we can do whatever we want to do with it. And you can't say anything about it. I would love to to hear the details of the the segment that he mentioned he was um, he couldn't say anything about something he was read into some of the January 6th litigation that's ongoing I would love to see the facts there but I guarantee you this is what it's about that he can hear the justice system there in the first district federal district number one in D.C. Emmett uh, what's his name the African-American judge that's been there so long. He's an activist. He hated Donald Trump. He crucified Lieutenant General um, Mike Flynn, who was on our show with us shortly after that happened. What's his name? He's got a case in front of him now, and the story actually came up yesterday of one of those January 6th people, insurrectionists that were there, and uh, they revoked his bail, put him back, in jail based upon a video. In court, the video was shown, and it showed him pulling a man down a little short staircase uh, toward a crowd, but the audio was turned down. 
And so Judge Emmett, let me do this. This this bugs me. I want you to know the the judge's name, but Emmett, federal judge in D.C., D.C., last name, Emmett. Gosh, I normally remember this. Well, of course, I'm not in. I'm not in a good search engine. Anyway, the uh, the defense came back to court and said and told the judge about this. You know, he was pulling this guy to safety, and they said, Judge, the prosecution didn't have the sound up so you could hear what was being said. The judge just refused to even do that. Turned the volume up. Well, if you turn the volume up, the guy, the January 6th guy that is under arrest and being held there and has been for months, was talking to the guy he was pulling. The guy he was pulling was talking back, and they were talking about pulling the guy to safety. And the judge won't even let it be heard in court. You get that? That's the kind of stuff that's happening in this government today. And we've been telling you here for months and months and months, the DOJ, even under Donald Trump, he found out the hard way the Department of Justice is foul from top to bottom. There are good people in there, but I got to tell you, the people that are the decision makers and their minions that they plant throughout the various agencies and sub-agencies, they are foul. And we Americans, we're paying the price, we're paying their salaries, we're paying their benefits, all of the stuff that they get into, and they are abusing you and me and every other American every day. And they don't give a rip what we think. Unbelievable. Well, early on in the show today, we told you about that semiconductor chip legislation that uh, it passed in part, passed in the Senate, therefore it has to go over to the House to be passed, and if it does, then it'll go to the President's desk and be signed into law. They've been working on this bill for three years. So after the Manchin information, Joe Manchin information about that big, big inflation bill that the House, excuse me, the Senate is putting together, Um, House Republican leadership, this CHIPS bill that they agreed to, it isn't formally done yet. Leadership in the House, Republican leadership, is urging members of its conference to vote against a bill, that bill, the domestic chip manufacturing bill. And so why are they doing that? Well, the announcement they were going up against that bill came right after Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin announced that $369 billion deal on a climate tax and health care package. This legislation comes to the House precisely as Senate Democrats have struck a deal on their partisan reconciliation bill, pairing up a tone-deaf agenda that on one hand gives billions away in corporate handouts, on the other hand, undoes historic tax cuts implemented by Republicans. That's from Minority Whip in the House, our buddy from New Orleans, Steve Scalise. 
It continued, the, the, the partisan Democrat agenda has given us record inflation, and now they're poised to send our country into a crushing recession. And so the House is threatening to pull the plug on the CHIPS bill if this reconciliation bill is not stopped. They're doing everything they can to try to prevent it from happening. Now, the, 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 big, the big banana they're using for this reconciliation bill is the green energy provisions that are in it. There's, there's some, uh, we are told, there's some fossil fuel money that's in this. They won't tell us yet, and I haven't seen the bill yet. Before the show tomorrow, I will at least get the bullet points of it that we'll bring and talk to you about. But the majority of the bill is aimed at those green energy pipe dreams that they're after. And it boils down to this. You and I both know this. Pollution is bad. It's bad. And pollution is the one big thing that we human beings can take control of and stop it, end it if we want to, just by careful planning and coordination. And some countries on the planet do that and do a good job, some better than us. We're one of the better ones. But here's the thing that it just blows my mind in all of the conversations about climate change and dropping the temperature, the ultimate goal being by the end of the century, climatologists tell us, the green energy ones, their panacea is for us to reduce the average temperature on the planet one and a half degrees, which seems like based upon the resources, trillions and trillions, tens of trillions of dollars and the pain that is being placed on the population in every country on the planet by following and going forward with this stupid pipe dream that even if it ever works out, we get it down one and a half degrees, that's not going to stop the issues that come from climate change. And then there's this other piece. Over the last 10 years, just so you know this, the United States has, has reduced its carbon emissions more than any other country on the planet. So by any measure, we're doing a pretty darn good job compared to everybody else. China is the number one polluting country in the world. India is number three. Russia, number four. Japan, number five. Iran, number six. Germany, and South Korea tired at 7 and 8, Saudi Arabia 9, and Canada 10. So with all of the good the United States has done over the last decade and doing our job, and some of these other countries have as well, we have no authority over any other country. We can't tell any other country to do whatever we want them to do or expect them to do it. So if you have a country, who are the two of the biggest polluters on the planet, China and India. We can't tell these two countries what to do and what not to do. And if they don't want to reduce their carbon emissions, if they don't give a rip about pollution and are going to do anything about it, it doesn't matter what kind of legislation we pass or how much money we spend doing it. It ain't going to happen over there. And you got to remember, we're just one small blip on the globe just one little bit. We can't change the climate stuff on the whole earth. We can't do it. 
we have to have unified cooperation for at least the top half of the nations on earth to get something like this in place. And these climate freaks, they know that. They know that. And so it's time for Americans to wake up and understand this one thing. This climate stuff, this fear-mongering, these objectives and goals and the rejected of fossil fuel and all that kind of stuff, it has nothing to do in reality with climate change or their stated goals or objectives. It is about one thing and one thing only. What is that one thing? Listen to this break. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. One of our largest audiences of this year listening to the program today, I think it's because everybody's getting really hungry for facts. They look at what's playing out around us every day. It's just one thing, just pile after pile after pile. And then when the clock changes and it's a new day, it's almost like the stuff that happened yesterday. Oh, we don't care about that. And go on to something new, another horror that we have to deal with. It's all about distraction. It's all about distraction. So what is this climate rush, this insanity, this incessant 
demanding, excoriating, screaming, hollering about climate change. What's it all about? What is the end goal? What is their objective in all this kind of stuff? I have spent days and days, months and months, years, many sleepless nights trying to come up with a realistic explanation and answer for that. And there's only one way, one answer I can come up with it. And that is total consuming power over every government on the planet, or if not every government, the the leading ones, the ones that really matter, that play into the equation of life on the earth. Especially countries like ours, every country in the European Union, in the South Pacific, of course, North and South America. And you leave some of the little countries out that would never cooperate. They can't put a leadership team together anyway. But total control is the end goal. You look at the work of the United Nations, especially the World Health Organization, trying to take over different sectors of the lives of people in every country on earth. Joe Biden and his folks, they bow to the United Nations. They listen to the UN. Conservatives, people that believe this country was founded to be the greatest country on earth and that the people wanted that and still want that. And because that's what the people want, we're supposed to be able to put the structure in place and maintain that structure to achieve that objective on the people's whims and what the people want and the way the people want it to happen. Not the way any bureaucrats, unelected bureaucrats, come up with and say, we have to do it this way. Many Americans are willing to cede their power over government to anybody and everybody that comes and asks for it. And those people are very coordinated. They are very unified in their plans. And every one of them when it, if this ever happens and they're successful at putting this thing together, every one of them has been told and they believe they're going to have a place at the top of the heap, the number one table, to be in control of everything that happens on the planet. Call it one world government, call it a reset, whatever you want to call it. It's been rumored to be in the works for a couple of centuries My entire life I've heard about it. But if you look at the landscape of what we are seeing played out every day before our eyes, that's the only explanation you can come up with. Is it time to panic? I don't think it's time to panic. But I think it's time to think really hard and come up with real plans to push through this so that we can keep it from happening because We, the people, control the government of the United States, at least now. Are we willing to give it up? Now, if you don't think that is the case, I'm looking for a document right now. I hate this when this happens. Okay. I'm going to tell you something that you don't know about. On March 9th of this year, President Biden quietly signed Executive Order Number 14067. Write that number down. I want you to go look it up yourself. Just Google 
Biden Executive Order number 14067. And of course, I don't know how many EOs he's he's signed this this presidency, but it's it's well over a hundred. Many of those that he signed are unconstitutional. Very few are being tested. Who can test it? Of course, Congress, and he owns Congress. Buried inside this executive order is a provision that could give the government unprecedented control over your money and your freedom. In fact, this provision sets the stage for this. Legal government surveillance of every U.S. citizen. Legal. You can't ask any questions. You can't push back. Total control over your bank accounts and your purchases. And the ability to silence all dissenting voices for good. That's verbiage from this executive order. Fox News has even reported on it. But they're the only place that ever mentioned it. Most Americans have never even heard of it. Executive Order 14067. We're in for a major upheaval of the U.S. dollar. And it's going to happen during this presidency. The third great dollar earthquake is what it's being called by economists behind the scene that know about it. It's already begun. The first one in our history was Roosevelt. He confiscated private gold back in 1934. Took the gold from Americans. You had it, you had to turn it over to the government. The second happened under Richard Nixon when he abandoned the gold standard in 1971. I remember that one. Nobody could believe it, but he did. Biden's plan looks like it's paving the way for retiring, doing away with totally the U.S. dollar, and replacing it with a disturbing new alternative. And this is not some far-off pipe dream. Read the Executive Order 14067 for yourself. It already gives Biden unprecedented power over the future of the dollar, Most Americans will be completely caught off guard by it when it comes out. In fact, a guy, a very learned guy named Jim Rickards, has created a video explaining it. And at the end of this show, we'll put the link to that new show. It's not very long. I think it's 20 or 30 minutes, but it's something that every American needs to see because your economic condition, situation, operating bank accounts, retirement accounts, everything's everything's about to be taken over. China did it yesterday. Did you hear about that? They notified the owners of every bank account of every bank account in China, notified those people that the money on deposit in those accounts are now considered to be investment dollars and the Chinese communist government controls that money for investment purposes. You can't touch that money. That happened yesterday. And many of you that are listening, when I told you that, when I told you about this executive order, you said, That'll never happen in America. Look around, folks. (laughs) Look, Look around. 
In many ways, it's already happening. It's not any longer government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We don't control the government anymore. We've ceded control. In many cases, to non-elected bureaucrats in D.C. that are calling the shots. We're not standing up. We're not making those who told us when they campaigned and we gave them money to campaign with, they get elected, we elect them, we send them up there. We're not holding them accountable. Most of us, I would say 99% of the people in my congressional district don't have any idea about the day-to-day issues that come before our member of the United States House of Representatives. You hear him here regularly, Congressman Mike Johnson. I keep up with most of what he does if it's public, but I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know about private meetings, and I'm not saying I don't have one negative thing to say about my congressman, but you should, with yours, you should be able to say the same thing I just said, or if not, to be on point that there's something going on there and find out what that something is. After all, we the people not we the government. So here we are. We talked with Steve Baker about the probability of the long-term objective of the January 6th committee is to get Donald Trump to tie a, a criminal charge around his neck, which would keep constitutionally from him going back and serving in any federal office. So there's been a lot of stuff, negative stuff thrown at former President Trump. And... Mr. Trump's organization notified CNN of his intention to file a lawsuit against the network for repeated defamatory statements. If for law, a Washington-based law firm, filed a notice of intent ordering CNN under Florida Statute Number 770.02 to, quote, publish a full and fair correction, apology, or retraction in published pieces or broadcast that allegedly made false statements about the former president. The notice warned that failure to issue an apology is going to result in a lawsuit, saying this, failure to publish such a correction, apology, or retraction will result in the filing of a lawsuit and damages being sought against you, CNN, the document warned. Trump warned he will be suing other media outlets that have defamed and defrauded the public about the 2020 presidential election results. He said, I've notified CNN of my intent to file a lawsuit over their repeated defamatory statements against me. I will also be commencing actions against other media outlets who have defamed me and defrauded the public regarding the overwhelming evidence of fraud throughout the 2020 election. I will never stop fighting for the truth and for the future of our country. So what's in this notice, specifically? It accused CNN of repeating, uh, repeating, uh, allowing claims that Trump was illegitimately elected in the 2016 election, and they go unchallenged. It then raised accusations that CNN fed narrative that repeatedly defamed Trump's character before and after the 2020 presidential election. The notice then stated that CNN inaccurately branded Trump a liar 
liken Adolf Hitler and communist leaders by labeling his election fraud claims as the big lie. And the network, they coined the term, they use it. In relation to Trump, more than 7,700 times since January of 2021. In this instance, President Trump's comments are not lies. He subjectively believes that the results of the 2020 presidential election turned on fraudulent voting activity in several key states. The document alleged that the network treats Trump unfairly in comparison to other public figures, including Democrat Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, Jesse Smollett, and Andrew McCabe. It then argued that the former president's questions about election integrity are legitimate ones, given that True the Vote reportedly found evidence of illegal fraudulent votes in states like Georgia and Arizona. The outlet published several headlines, either defaming or negatively depicting Mr. Trump. Headlines negatively depicting the former president included, quote, Trump's growing recklessness is a ticking time bomb. Trump's January 6th plot appears darker and more dangerous by the day. Trump's big lie is changing the face of American politics. And Trump's mental health becomes an issue again. Now let me tell you what the end game is for this. One good thing about Donald Trump is he's very, very transparent. Typically, what he says he's going to do, without question, he always does. But when he comes out and says things so pointed as this, it's very easy to logically follow what comes after this statement here. You know what he's trying to do? He knows this January 6th committee, as Steve Baker and I talked about last hour, the end objective is to hang something on Trump that'll keep him from ever going to office. There is, factually, we've brought to you numerous instances of courts around the nation, especially in those five states, the really important ones where big changes in the election results in 2020 made the difference. States like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Legislation has been passed. Courts have made decisions. And those decisions back up a lot of the claims that Donald Trump has made about voting irregularity and cheating in 2020. The other big networks, they're sworn to secrecy. Fox News won't even let it come on. Newsmax won't even talk about it anymore. They're afraid they're going to get sued. Trump doesn't give a rip. He is committed to the truth, period. And in this one, folks, I promise you, he's going to win this if it goes to court. CNN will actually publish these retractions that he's demanding, or they will be the objective of a massive televised trial nationwide. At least somebody's standing up against the big guys, the ones that heretofore have been too big for anybody to go after. Wow. You can get the link, that link that I told you to to get that uh, video going into that executive order that was signed by 
Joe Biden last year. It's going to impact your dollars and my dollars. And we're not far away from that happening, but nobody's telling us anything about it. It's going to happen like, like that. You're going to wake up one day and you may be told your account may be frozen. OMG, what am I going to do? And you call your bank and you get a recording without any explanation. You go to your bank and the front doors are locked. You don't think that can happen? It happens every week, every month, somewhere on this planet, outside the United States. We always think we're too big, we're too good for anything like that to happen here. As you heard Steve Baker say, people are in that jail in Washington, D.C., in this greatest nation They're waiting for trial and have been waiting for trial for over a year. No bail. And most of them are charged with misdemeanors. I mean, you go to to Washington, D.C. and you shoot somebody on the street or do the same thing in New York or Los Angeles. You don't serve a minute in jail. You get out immediately after you are arrested. You go down, they register you in get all your information, you sign a promise to appear, they'll walk you to the front door and say, have a great day, we'll see you pretty soon. Don't even think for a second, this government is not two-tiered, it is. Have you noticed the dark cloud over this show today? I gotta be honest with you, I don't live in this world. The world that I live in is my glass is always half full, never half empty. I look for the best in everything. And I do believe at the end of this, there is going to be justice. Good is going to conquer. But between here and there, if we don't awaken our fellow Americans and talk to them and get them to look at things and read things and watch things and at least consider facts that come out. Prime example, there are medical experts in the millions now from around the world that are questioning the use of the COVID-19 vaccines with unbelievable numbers of horrible results, side effects that come from them. We were told yesterday, sterilization is cropping up now in millions of people that took the vaccinations, sterilizations. Now, you may say, that's a good thing. My wife doesn't, doesn't have to get her tubes tied. But for the majority of the people on the planet, they lost an option to begin a family, to endure their lineage, They won't have kids or grandkids. That's supposed to be our choice. My body, my choice. You remember that? Now, that only applied for abortion. It's never been accepted to be okay to say or think that over the vaccines. Our government and data life is so hypocritical. It's literally gotten to the point that when somebody in Washington says something, I immediately think and feel confident the truth is the exact opposite. Americans today, we don't think it's okay 
that protesters have the right to do that outside the home of Supreme Court justices? Most Americans know that. And we looked at it happening at those conservative justices' homes over the Roe v. Wade case. And in many cases, it's going on still at Brett Kavanaugh's case. And then the details come out about the guy who was arrested when he was there planning to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh and that we find out now looking into evidence behind and what was there that wasn't given to the public originally that he had plans to kill three others. It was a coordinated plan. If he had not been stopped that night at Brett Kavanaugh's, there would have been blood in the street. Now, a lot of people will say, that's okay. We wish that would have happened. But that's not what the United States of America is all about. If that is ever accepted and normalized, we are going to be nothing better than Venezuela or some of those crazy island nations in the Caribbean, several of which I've been to and I really like. (laughs) Americans... Most Americans think we need to have the law enforced all the time. And regarding this protest stuff that's happening now, 61% of us believe that protesting shouldn't interfere in the private lives of any Supreme Court justices. This comes from a poll by the Judicial Crisis Network. It was published yesterday. It found that Americans were uncomfortable with those protesters invading spaces like restaurants or the neighborhoods of the justices in order to voice their opinions or the churches they go to, which all of that happened, and some of it still is. This comes after months of protest outside the homes of those conservative justices, and it's all about Roe v. Wade, my body, my choice. 84% of us believe protesters who engage in violence should be charged to the fullest extent of the law. Most Americans believe that any violent protester should be prosecuted regardless of the issue they are protesting. And by the way, federal law says that's supposed to happen, and our Attorney General Merrick Garland hasn't even lifted a finger to enforce that law. Americans en masse believe across the political spectrum and political affiliation that violent protest and protesters should be prosecuted for their crimes. Over 80% of Republicans, Democrats, and independents agree with that. A majority of Americans believe that President Joe Biden should publicly condemn the protests that occur outside the homes of these justices and that they are less likely to vote for anybody who refuses to condemn those violent acts and the acts of others. Independents and Democrats agree that Biden should do that. 57% of independents, 51% of Democrats believe that should be done. But despite the overwhelming numbers, Biden won't say a word. He won't say a word. This nation is changing before our very eyes. Changing. And there is a lot that we can do. But getting the people together to discuss and plan and produce and build and then execute that plan, I don't even know how to do it. I don't know anybody on this planet that has the ability to do it except maybe Donald Trump. 
And I don't even know how that would look, what it would take. Let's move on. Have you heard any of the stuff going on at Twitter? You know, the Elon Musk thing and Elon pulling out of that purchase. Well, there is some news coming out of Silicon Valley. The free speech wing of the Internet, if you remember, cheered when Elon said he was going to buy Twitter for $44 billion. But he backed out of the deal earlier this month over Twitter's alleged undercounting of spam accounts. The Tesla CEO may have emboldened the social media platform to resume or expand its aggressive moderation of tweets that offend elite opinion. Since the Musk deal fell through, Twitter has put in place a a bunch of suspensions and lockouts against medical experts, critics of gender ideology, including one it recently reinstated. So the only thing Twitter has said they publicly demanded that Musk got to complete the deal could also try to compel him to pay the $1 billion backout penalty if it wanted to preserve its flexibility to crack down on purported COVID-19 misinformation, abusive behavior, and hateful conduct. Tom Fitton, you know who he is. We bring you things, speeches, and messages that he puts together all the time. He's the president of Judicial Watch. He was suspended for calling hydroxychloroquine a safe drug, said he noticed a remarkable uptick in followers to his accounts after Elon announced his intended purchase of Twitter. I think Twitter is nervous following its legal settlement with newly reinstated former New York Times journalist Alex Berenson, who showed Twitter wasn't even following its own rule. By the way, the number of those spam accounts at Twitter, it's just a subset of potential fraud. And the evidence of that is Twitter's alleged refusal to disclose information about its suspension processes And they were supposed to do that, but they stopped even talking about it when Musk due diligence started. They're lying to Congress, to shareholders and users, Fitton said. Ivy League epidemiologist Andrew Boston woke up Wednesday morning to learn his account had been suspended for the second time this month for purported COVID misinformation. Twitter had reinstated him one time, hours after receiving a July 14th legal warning letter from former Trump administration lawyer James Lawrence, who also represented Berenson, and recently added deplatform user Daniel Kotzen as a client. I'm not sure why Twitter has become so aggressive against accounts like Dr. Boston's. Its actions make no sense to me, either legally or commercially. This is Berenson. Bans by California-based Twitter may violate California law and the California Constitution which protects some speech on private property, yada, 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 yada. There are so many things like this happening around us, you can't even pull them out of the air and get them on the ground to get them still so you can analyze them. And you know what? You know why all of this stuff is happening so much every day? It's purposeful. Deflect our attention from the real nuts and bolts of what's going on. Keep us concentrating elsewhere so we just look at 
the things that are said that are very critical, and we miss them because we're not reading or listening attentively, paying close attention to what's being said. And then we've lost the ability or the desire to go look for things, to come up with answers. I can't tell you how many texts and emails I've gotten this morning during this show, people making statements about stuff they heard when Steve Baker was on with us, but also asking questions about some of the things that we shared this morning. That is what has got to happen. If we want to save this nation, you, everybody that's listening to me right now, you have got to make a decision to get actively involved in everyday governing of this nation. And it may mean, only thing it may mean, is finding out who your representatives are, state and local level, federal level, and go talk to them. I watched Senator John Kennedy this morning. He was on Fox News, and he was discussing, as you can imagine, the Joe Manchin falling out with uh, the conservatives and siding with the Senate Democrats to get this massive spending plan put in place. It's going to do nothing but exacerbate our already zooming inflation. Everybody, every economic economist knows that. Everybody does. You can't spin your way out of inflation, but you can spin your way into inflation, and that's what happened. This administration did just that. But you've got to engage with people before you can ever expect to get anything different to happen than what's happening right now. If nothing changes, nothing changes. You know that. We've talked about that over and over and over again here. It came from a pastor friend of mine. It wasn't original, but it's very, very true. We, the people, have got to stand up and make these things happen or they're not going to happen. Washington, D.C., in the majority, or in the tank, they're toast. Are we going down the crapper with them or not. That's up to us to decide. And the only way we can stop it is if we engage and do stuff. We have to do something. We can't just talk about stuff. We've got to get out and interact with people. I mean, have you ever talked to your member of Congress at your district? Have you ever gone and listened to them speak when they come back and do these little rallies around their districts? Have you ever gone to the website, his or her website, seen what they believe in? Drop them an email. If you got questions, ask them questions. They'll answer. If they're people that believe that we the people actually own the country, they'll answer. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. 
Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. DNN. The Truth News Network. Tomorrow morning on the show, we're going to have a guy that fits right into the conversation we've been having during the show today. George Webb is going to be with us. Who is George Webb? You've heard the name. You've probably seen him on news shows. He's an investigative journalist. He has self-evolved as a feet-on-the-ground investigative journalist and has remained really close to all of the critical issues like censorship, election fraud. Election fraud. We don't have election fraud. You can't say that, George. Uh, Global conspiracies and economic malfeasance by speaking one-on-one with witnesses and whistleblowers. He's an on-the-ground kind of guy. He's repeatedly, George has, demonstrated the ability to keep his eye on the ball and uncover facts deliberately obscured or overlooked and consequently unpublished. He discovered the NATO military-grade encryption blackberries. You remember that? He's the guy that found that. And hard drives used by Democrat National Committee Chairwoman's assistant, Imran Awan. His exposures have had the deep state in full pursuit of him. They can't stand him. He produces a series called The Research Road Show with George Webb, which dives into subject matter related to NATO, bioweapons, conflict in the Ukraine. George is a prolific author touching on subjects that Amazon deems to be adverse to their terms of service, exposing another layer of corporate-level censorship, and of course, they don't let George's books appear on their website. I guess maybe it's a badge of honor if you fall into that, because it means if Amazon doesn't like you, you're saying something conservative. Oh my gosh, we can't let you do that. Nobody does that today. You, if, if you're a conservative, it's okay. Just stay quiet. Sit at home. Don't say anything. We'll tell you what to do and when to do it. What are we going to end the f- show with today? I got to be honest with you. I really don't know what to say. Let me just say this. I wrote a story that's published today on our homepage. The 2024 presidential race is set. Well, almost set. I encourage you to read it. Not because I wrote it, but it tells a story about where we really are right now in our politics. And folks, we've got to find out where we are. We've got to stick up for facts. We just have to do that. And we're at a place where we must demand facts 
from anybody and everybody that's involved in the political process in any way. And we've got to begin to confront those in leadership and make sure they know that we the people are no longer going to accept anything but bald-faced truths. We don't want the watered-down explanations about things. We don't need that. We're adults. We can grasp and understand things for ourselves. George Webb will be with us tomorrow morning at 9.30. Until then, let me just tell you this. I want you to have a great day. Don't sweat through this. We're all going to be okay, I promise. We'll see you tomorrow, right here at TNN Live, 9 a.m. Central. I can think of younger days When living for my life Was everything a man could want to do I could never see tomorrow I was never told about the sorrows How can you mend the broken hearts? How can you stop the rain from falling down? Stop the sun from shining What makes the world go round How can you mend this broken land How can a loser ever win Still feel the breeze that rustles through the trees and misty memories of days gone by. We could never see tomorrow. No one said a word about the sorrow. Can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world?